Seven past one on a Wednesday afternoon, the day after the day before, all that sort of stuff. Lots going on in the world of sport, and we are going to hopefully give you the best insight into that in the next three hours. The back hour is our hump day hero section where we get a little bit loose and a bit of fun with Ian Cohen, who's going to be joining us again after three o'clock as our hero this afternoon. Always good fun when Koza jumps in the chair. After two o'clock, We'll continue to go around the grounds and the build-up to round number one. Of course, kicks off tomorrow night from the mighty MCG from six, where Melbourne's home and footy will be there. First game of what's going to be a very long, very interesting 2015 home and away season. We'll be all over that with the Carlton and Richmond encounter in front of a big crowd expected to at the G from six tomorrow night. So make sure you tune in for that. We'll find out more about uh, what's going on around the country, around the grounds later on. Sports Central Plus, all the latest news in the world of sport in the last 24 hours. And there's been plenty of that, plenty of opinion as well. The boys at the SEN Newsroom will be all over that today for us at Sports Central Plus. And this hour... For World Game fans, get involved on the open line, 949-1116. Carlos Alberto Diego to wrap up what's been a very, very busy week in the World Game. On Halftime, the World Game with Carlos Alberto Diego from Fordiegos.com. For auction your car, car auction this Saturday. Oh, you just try and satisfy him. Very, very difficult to do, Carlos from Fordiegos.com. Of course, the Fordiegos back together as a band tonight from 11. Every Wednesday night at Melbourne's home of sport, 1116 SEN. Carlos, good afternoon. How are you there, half? Very well, thanks, sir. Very well. You uh, you look uh, pretty bright and bushy-tailed, yeah, no, considering your last couple of mornings have been a bit busy. Yeah. <laughs> well, a bit early. A bit early. early starts, but that's that's my life, really. You know, uh, watching world football in Australia and uh, trying to tune into everything that's going on, especially when the beloved Socceroos are playing or yep. anyone Australians playing. Now, tell me, tell me, yep. and be honest with mm-hmm. me and the mm-hmm. audience here, yep. are you a... A taper? Are you an IQer? No, no. Or are you a get up and liver? I'm too busy during the day to tape. <laughs> and my, my wife owns a TV at night, so uh, right, so yes. it has Aren't to be live. All? It has to be live. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I'll, I'll tape something when uh, I know my wife's not around at night and I'll watch it then, but otherwise it's all live. And uh, I prefer to do that anyway because you, you get a real sense of, you know, when you don't know the scoreline, you get a real sense of uh, what you know, how the game panned out, and what the and you don't know what the end result is, and, and I think that adds to it too. Speaking of live, uh, the game we were talking about before one o'clock with Eduardo and uh, Todd Lichty, the NIT semi-final, Stanford and Old Dominion, and uh, Chase and Randall is about to break Todd's all-time record at Stanford. He's got nine points. He needs a, sorry, he's got eight. He needs eleven to break uh, Todd's record for the all-time leading scorer at Stanford. He's got the bar, the ball, no foul, no two points. Might be another two. I'll get back to that shortly. But he's edging ever closer to the all-time record there, Carlos. We like records being broken on halftime. Yeah, too bad I don't break any records. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I like to watch other people break records. And by the way, you know, maybe there should be some sort of uh, connection with the American media over there about what you know the person you've just had in here who's got such relevance to what's going on over there. Yes, geez, uh, I'm sure there'd be one or two stories, or at least his name's being 
mentioned over there in some media articles anyway. Well, you'd think so. As soon mm. as someone's breaking a record, yeah. often the person whose record's being broken gets a fair bit of coverage. Absolutely. I wouldn't be surprised if all of uh, ESPN over there <laughs> uh, and uh, CBS and NBC, they're all listening to halftime yeah. during that last segment. With in Todd. fact, they're not watching the game. They're, they're listening not watching, to you they're guys, just listening yeah. to halftime. <laughs> yeah. Now, tell me, uh, we, we spoke last week, Carlos, about what will it all mean? The, the Socceroos against uh, Germany and then the Socceroos against Macedonia, which, which happened yesterday. Are we any closer to finding out what it did mean? Yeah, well, I, I think last week we, you know, I'm always sceptical about friendlies. You don't know how to read, what to read into them. If you get a really good result, people start, you know, saying, the you know, Euro snobs out there start saying, well, Germany were on holidays. They didn't care about the game. They've got a game against Georgia in four days' time. What did they care about Australia, yeah. right? Uh, and then, you, you know, if Australia lose... How you they just, go against Georgia, by the way? They won uh, 2 0 against right. Georgia, so that was a really good warm up for them. Uh, so, and then, you know, if Australia lose the game, you just wonder, you know, it's just uh, it's, it's fodder for those people out there who are, who are anti Ange, anti Australia, that we're crap and all that sort of stuff. So, uh, because they're friendlies, you really can't judge where things are at. And also at half time, they're usually wholesale changes too, and, you know, it, it sort of degenerates. But ultimately, as far as a friendly is concerned, uh, it was as good a friendly as we could get. A two all draw against the world champions, we had enough chances to win the game. Yep. They also had enough chances to win the game on their behalf. Uh, you know, we learned so much as far as, um, you know, uh, where we stand man for man with that sort of a country, or at least a, as a collective, and that we can compete at that level. Um, it was done, it was, the game was a quite high tempo game in front of a full house there in, uh, in Germany too. So, um, you know, that was one game that we played. And, of course, we've got the game against uh, Macedonia. It was played yesterday morning and a, a dour nil-all draw where not many, yeah, not many chances created. And so last week where I was asking the question, what will these friendlies mean? Well, today I'm asking the question to our listeners out there, what do we learn about the Socceroos? Uh, in these two games, uh, the high of drawing with the world champions and competing with them, um, and and also the the sterile nil all draw from yesterday morning yeah. uh, that uh, you might as well not have played with any framework at all in the goals. It was you know you didn't need the goals. No one required them. It, absolutely, very few chances made. Uh, even though we had a lot of the ball, so I'd love to throw that out there to our listeners. What do we learn about the Socceroos? Well, nine four two nine eleven sixteen. That's the open line number, of course. Zero four double three. 98, 11, 16, if you want to get involved via the SMS. Um, the Germany performance, just firstly on that, Carlos, from, from your point of view, how different is that result, if if it is at all, I'm, I'm, and I'd love your input here, if Kale plays, if Luongo plays in, in that clash? Does that make a difference to scoreline, or is that just does that show the strength of perhaps Andrew's plan that you don't often need your superstars all the time to be able to put up a performance like that? At, at the risk of uh, of having the the Tim Kale lovers, and we're all lovers of Tim Kale, uh, ring up and abuse me and this. stand at the front and wait don't for me after, after the hour. Don't do uh, this. I thought we were better balanced against the Germans because oh, yeah. we went with the mosquito fleet up you, front. You did this. Yeah, I know. Uh, look, I, I thought it would have been it, it would have made it more difficult for us as an attacking team mm. uh, and and sharing the ball like we did and, and really utilise the pace we have around, especially in the front third if we had Timmy there. Because Timmy's more of a target man. He demands the ball. Uh, and our, yeah, the young guys playing in the side always look for Timmy first. So it would have straightened us right up. And I think those big German defenders are quite used to that sort of, uh, you know, they're big guys. Uh, they're quite used to the physical approach. And as much as Timmy would have had a great game, it would not maybe have opened up as many chances as what we did. And I thought, 
thought Lecky, Troisi, uh, Nathan Burns, they just ran a muck at times. They really, really put those German defenders on the back foot. And a couple of times, uh, Lecky with the, taking uh, men on one, you know, for pace, you know, starting a metre behind some of the German defenders and knocking it past them and, and beating them for pace and, and, and getting the crossover or running at people and, and turning them inside out with a little bit more composure. Could have got himself a couple of goals himself. I mean, what that does to his confidence. Yeah. He's playing in Germany in the Bundesliga 2 at the moment. It's a, it's a leading team over English that is a is a leading team in Bundesliga too. Looks like they'll they'll get promoted to uh, Bundesliga, Bundesliga next season. The season, so he'll be a, a bona fide uh, first division player in Germany. But for him playing the way he did against German World Cup winners, you know, in in their own backyard, and him playing those leagues, surely the spotlight is on him now, and the confidence. That, that he would have got from that. Troisi's magnificent goal. I mean, he's just growing and growing uh, in his abilities uh, playing for the Socceroos. And he's getting more and more confident in his club football. So I think he's destined for bigger and better things. And having someone like a Nathan Burns, I mean, usually under Pim Verbeek or Holger Rossick, our reserves tended to be people who didn't really believe they were going to contribute anything. They came on because someone was tired, whether it was a Tim Cale or a Harry Kuehl or whatever. Yep. Uh, Nathan Burns comes on and adds something. And uh, when he started the game and started running at people, I'm just so glad he takes the attitude he has in the A-League into these international games because, uh, it, you know, we saw it against Macedonia. He, he did create one or two chances with his dribbling ability, which is just priceless at that level. Nothing better than having ability to dribble. Absolutely. Carlos. Two-footed dribbling too. Two-footed yes. dribbling. Not just the one-footed dribbling. Makes it easy for your prongs yeah. when your dribbling is with both <laughs> Absolutely. feet. Absolutely. <laughs> A, a penetrative prong, I call him, huh? Well, yeah, that's important. Yeah. That's important. That's what you need to be, even with goalposts not there. Yeah. Uh, Rod's in one turn and wants to get involved in the discussion as uh, Jason Randalls has equaled uh, Todd's all-time record there at Stanford. Hasn't broken it yet. He's equaled it. Uh, g'day, Rod. G'day, guys. How are you? Love the, fo- the, the talk on the soccer, mate. I absolutely adore it. Oh, it's good okay. stuff. Aren't you, Rod? Question, question, uh, answer to the question, what have we learned about Australia? One of Andrew's stated objectives when he first took over the job was to make Australia become respectable in the world of football, in the world game, basically. And what his results are showing at the moment, the win in the Asian Cup, and now to actually perform against the Germans and perform well and stand up on their own against them, and then a dire game, dire struggle against Macedonia and not to concede, is actually showing that the guys are actually getting the confidence and it's showing the world that we are a team to look at and respect. And that's what we need as a, soccer, as a nation for soccer. We need to gain the world, respect from the rest of the world, the rest of the football world. And I think that's what Ange is striving to do, and the players are buying into that. They're buying into that game plan, and they're buying into the fact that they want to be seen as a respectable team on the world stage. Is that a fair comment, Carlos? Absolutely, and Rod, you're, you're spot on there. You know the problem with the problem with world football, though, right now is the only time you can get that respect is at a World Cup. I mean, you can you can play these friendly games and you can play really well, and you know people will take notice. Oh, Australia drew two all with with Germany, but like I said to you last week, half when we beat them over there in 2011, 2-1, it just would have. You know, people would have been shocked for five minutes and then they moved on because they realised it was a friendly game. Yeah. Uh, even the Asian qualifiers that are coming up, people around the world won't care whether we top our groups and go through quite easily to Russia. It's Russia 2018 where we will stamp... That's where we'll really get measured. That's where we'll get measured properly, and there's uh, and that's what Ange is a- aiming for. And everything he does, I just love. You can almost see... 
this uh, this imaginary plan that's floating around in the air about what you know every every game now there's a purpose to it. I mean, he, he walked away from the Macedonia game thinking, right, we've learned something there. We've learned that we've got to be able to break down these sides who are very clever in playing compact teams and they're hard to break down. And away from home, we need to do that because we're going to be playing a lot of these Asian clubs mm. sides that are going to actually going to be very, very good at doing that. We did it in the Asian Cup. It was on home territory. You know, everyone was behind us. Can we do it away against a very, very good Korea, for example? Can we break them down or can we break a Bahrain down when they're, when they're coached well? And that's where I think uh, the big task is now for Ange. But now instead of having wholesale problems, uh, bringing in, the, you know, creating the depth of the players and, and bringing it the style of play, we know what the style of play is. We know what the depth, the depth is growing every day. Everyone he brings on adds something to it. Uh, the only thing we've got to worry about is the odd issues after every game. Like, how do we break down these sides? So yep. what he's done in a short period of time is enormous. And it's, uh, and it's now translated into a really confident group of players, which, by the way, is flowing down to the Ollie Roos and the underage teams too now. I want to talk about the Ollie Roos and the underage teams after the break, if you don't mind. Rod, stay on the line. Nice call from you. You've got a fitness class voucher to Super Tramp. Burn off the calories over 100 trampolines, 26 climbing walls at Geelong's newest trampoline and Clip and Climb Centre. The kids will be entertained whilst you work out. You'll love it there at Geelong, uh, Grovedale there in Geelong. Full-on fun for the whole family. Supertramp.com.au, S-U-P-A, tramp.com.au. Oxy will be pumped that you go down there. Give him a big high five. 20 past one, Carlos is with us. and We'll come back with more discussion on the world game after this. 24 past one on a Wednesday afternoon. You're over the hump. Congratulations. Great to have you on board on halftime. We are talking the world game with Carlos Alberto Diego. Don't forget, tonight from 11, the boys are back together. The band is back. Every week, 11 till 12 at night time uh, on Melbourne's home of sport, 1116 SEN, the Four Diego's Carlos. And we mentioned before the break, the Ollie Roos and what yeah. the soccer Roos are doing to the Ollie Roos and all the junior teams, or the teams below them in the, the pecking order. Uh, they played overnight. Yeah, the Ollie Roos, they're the under-23 team for Australia, and they're playing in the Asian Championships at the moment, which double up for the qualifiers for the Olympics in Rio in 2016. Yep. They've gone through the first stage. They played three games over in Chinese Taipei. Uh, they played... Um, uh, Hong Kong first, I think it was, uh, and they won handsomely 6-0, and then they beat the home side Chinese Taipei 4-0, and just overnight, Myanmar, uh, they uh, beat them 5-1. So all very comfortable. in the lower-end, lower-ranked teams, and it was the first stage of qualifying. They play in Qatar in January, I believe, uh, next in six months' time uh, for the next stage of qualifying. That's where they meet all the big guns in Japan and Korea Republic and right. and China and all those teams and uh, and that's to not only not only for the Asian twenty under twenty three championships but also uh, to get you to Rio in two thousand and sixteen. So how do you how do you get to Rio? What do you need to do to get to Rio? Uh, good question. I think uh, look, I, I don't believe that. Oh, but obviously, they're limited to a couple of teams from yep. each confederation, but I'm not I'm not sure how many teams come from this confederation. So, uh, look, it, it, I think with the first, second and third, I, I, that rings a bell for some reason. Uh, teams that are ranked in that competition might get the opportunity to go. But, uh, but Australia would be looking at hopefully winning that competition because of the Asian under-23 crown and also to get you to, to the Olympics. But the exciting thing about all this is uh, the, the template that Ange has imposed on the Socceroos is basically lock, stock and barrel being taken down to the under-23s. Uh, really, Vidmar's their coach, who's the assistant coach to um, one of the assistant coaches for Ange. Yep. And they're using exact same template. And So we're, we're getting a, a, an Australian way Yeah. Now. 
uh, absolutely a, a football philosophy the Australian yeah. way passed through the the teams through the generations. Yeah, that, that's that's why I, I'm just so ecstatic about the uh, what Ange has achieved. It's not just results, short term results, winning the Asian Cup. It's this way of playing that every player uh, and every coach is trying to learn about and buy into, mm-hmm. and that's going to be implemented. So. You know, for me, that's the big win here because any of these under-23s, and there's some great talent in those under-23s that comes through and start playing in an Australian squad, well, it's not all foreign to them. It's all about, you know, fitting in rather than worrying about how to, you know, how Ange wants you to play. Yeah. And that's going to be then transposed to the young Socceroos, which is under-20, and then also under-17s with the Joeys. So for me, for the first time ever, and, and you know, my argument is you have to have an Australian coach to do that because the Australian coach is not going to necessarily go off and try and get another job somewhere else overseas. An Australian national coach knows that most likely his international future as a coach will be for, for Australia and, and maybe limited chances around Asia. So their career path ends as a Socceroo coach. So they're here for the long haul. They're here not for any short-termism. They're here for to, to set some sort of culture going forward. And that's what I love about this whole setup at the moment. And it's amazing. You win a few games. You share the belief against some of the players who just uh, jump on board with it during an Asian Cup. You win that. And suddenly there is no doubt in people's minds that this is the right way to go. And just an update in the basketball too. Jason Randalls has now become the all-time leading scorer at Stanford University. Through his four years, 2,337 points. He has scored, overtaking our very own halftime zone, Todd Lichty, who just got a big mention on the ESPN coverage, by the way, or the vision anyway, um, 2,336. So it's great to have Todd with us before 1 o'clock. His record is now broken. He's now second place. Fantastic. Thanks to our uh, listeners. They've confirmed that the top three in that uh, tournament yeah, in right. that tournament in January go through to the uh, Rio's uh, Olympics. Okay, good, good. Now, I want to talk about, you were talking about Asian teams before and uh, the influence they're having on, on us and the way we have to break them down and understand their play and break them down. Is there a talk that uh, the A-League might be investigating the possibility of including <laughs> some Asian teams in the competition? Yeah, Carlos? it was a... What do you a, got from it was a story. Yeah, it was a story that came out late last week and uh, Mike Cockerell from the Sydney Morning Herald jumped all over it. And, uh, and uh, yeah, look... I'm not sure whether it was uh, deliberately leaked or not, but uh, apparently some of the owners of uh, the A-League clubs, and I believe uh, Central Coast Mariners, uh, Brisbane Raw, Adelaide United, and a couple of others uh, had got together in Dubai for a meeting with uh, Citigroup. But this is all from the papers. I, I don't know anything more than this. But, Citigroup uh, being Manchester City, Citigroup? Yeah, Citigroup. Melbourne from City, Man- City, yeah, Melbourne City, yep. Citigroup. And they were all talking about the possibility of investigating having a couple of Asian teams uh, in our A-League. And they were talking about teams from countries like you know Hong Kong, Malaysia, you know, that, that mid-range, Indonesia, that sort of thing. Yep. And, uh, and David Gallup very, very quickly shut it down. Uh, basically saying it would never work here in Australia. But it was interesting that uh, Mike, Michael Charlesworth, the owner of uh, Central Coast Mariners, apparently uh, got on board a, uh, a consultant from England, a guy called John Smith, who I believe is a player agent, has been a player, very successful player agent for a long time. Mm. And he was charged with the responsibility of getting all the feasibility study on this together. And, uh, and David Gallup said to him, listen, you can go ahead and do whatever you want, but... Uh, well... You guys work. You guys will find out what the problems to this are. 
you know, this whole idea of having a team from Malaysia and Indonesia and so forth playing in our league, there'll be it'll be just rife with problems, and you'll find that in your investigations. And and not that they've come back and said that, but they've knocked it on the head basically, and they they said that that the real issue. Look, for me, it's just it it, it, sm- it smacks of short termism again. Mm. This whole idea of you know what would we get by having a team from Malaysia involved in the A League? Well, I don't think you'd get a big uh, spike in TV, you know, audiences watching a game between a Melbourne victory and Pahang in Malaysia, but you might get a big amount of people in Malaysia watching the game here in Australia or watching their team play all the A League teams. So it, it'd be all TV, you know, broadcast rights. You know, the money's from that related. Yep. And it, it, you know, we see that it's tough enough right now with the Asian Champions League to get big crowds in midweek games. Uh, you know, with Melbourne teams, and and I believe Fox aren't overly impressed with the ratings for the the, the Asian Champions League games anyway. So, it's they're hardly going to if uh, Guangzhou Evergrande is not going to capture our imaginations in big numbers. Why would you know uh, Sarawak from uh, from Malaysia playing an A League side necessarily bring in huge audiences? In the in the stadium or also also on TV, so yeah, so pure, purely what you're saying there, and I think you articulated pretty well. It would be a broadcasting issue as opposed to a game issue. Yeah, I, I, I think or, the only benefit, benefit, yeah, benefit would it would be a financial benefit from a bigger broadcasting deal. Whether that would involve Fox Sports or not, I'm not sure. I mean, the the group throughout Asia that uh, looks after all the broadcast of all the Asian football uh, and has a contract, a long a 10 to 15 year contract with the AFC, is a group called the World Sport Group. Yep. And uh, and I would I would expect that given that they've got the links to all the countries, if something like that was going ahead, that they would they would buy those rights or they would take on those rights and they will on-sell them to whoever's broadcasting the A-League in Australia and, and all over uh, Asia. Yep. But this, you know, it got me, got me thinking about, you know, it sounds exciting, but there's so many problems to it. And you wonder about the benefits, especially when the league's still, still trying to get a foothold, get its finances right. I mean, you know, on the weekend, Melbourne City had one of the biggest crowds of 9,000 people. And all the rest had, I think, uh, victory had about eighteen, but all the rest had six thousand people coming to the games. I mean, the, the the crowds have been so low since the Asian Cup. I think it's a little bit of a worry. I'd love, I'd love to know why people aren't going after the Asian Cup. So, for me, there's so much work to do with our own ten team competition. Yeah. Uh, then start introducing these teams from uh, these mid range to low. Uh, Asian countries, and you know, a, a few years ago, we, we we heard about the you know there were owners calling for this breakaway league. It's like you know the the English FA and then the the English Premier League running itself. Yeah, I mean, this is the sort of thing you're going to get when owners want to run their own league. They want to look for the short term. Uh, commercial benefits, and these people are very, very smart. But that's what drives them. It's a profit motive, yep. and uh, and it's these sort of ideas without much thinking that uh, they would uh, try and generate, which would be a worry for me because I think you'd send the the league pretty much bankrupt pretty quickly. Well, that's not a fantastic idea, Carlos. If that was to be an outcome, we need to do something about that. But uh, that was one of the discussion points last week, as Carlos said, knocked on the head pretty quickly. But we can talk about it after the break. I think Johnny Mooney Pons wants to talk about it. 9-4-2-9, 11-16. Back with Carlos Alberto Diego after this. 
21 to 2, Carlos Alberto Diego is with us on a Wednesday afternoon. We've been talking about the um, suggestion perhaps last week that uh, the A-League might expand into Asia, Carlos. Yeah, we got. Uh, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm sort of against it, but uh, we're getting a couple of uh, SMSs through. Clayton, uh, Clayton in Elwood talking about the fact that Melbourne Victory has got you know 25-odd thousand to some of their games. But for many years before that... Uh, it took a long time. When, we, when did we start getting into the Asian Champions League? Uh, it was what, three or four years ago. I, don't I remember. About that. I remember all the players were rejecting it. And uh, two thousand eight was the game against Guangzhou. They got twenty six eight five seven. Yeah, but I, I think it's I mean, seven years ago. But also, victory. Uh, they're a behemoth, aren't they? Compared to all the other A League clubs, you look at uh, Central Coast Mariners with their uh, Asian Cup. Yep. Um, uh, sorry, uh, Asian Champions League, Brisbane Raw. I mean, every other club. It's just we saw some decent crowds when Adelaide went deep into the competition a few years ago. But, but, I, but I generally, think the, the other point of that, Carlos, is that it's the Asian Champions League. Like yeah. it's it's the best of the best yeah. we're dealing with, and there's something actually significant on the line. Where if it was just round sixteen of the Hyundai A League, and uh, yeah. we're playing Kuala Lumpur. Yeah. Melbourne City's playing Kuala Lumpur, yeah. or Central Coast is playing Kuala Lumpur. They were talking, sure. actually, part of the concept was that they would also have high profile, I mean, the Asian clubs could probably afford high profile uh, European footballers who were probably, you know, your Drogba's and these sort of players. Now, if they started playing for these, you know, Malaysian teams and Thai teams, which, you know, a lot of these Thai Malaysian teams have got the money to do this these days, yeah. uh, you know, that, that could perhaps get a little bit more interest. But the big problem with the whole concept was that these countries have their own major leagues. If you start pulling out the yeah. big teams out of those leagues, that to those leagues would yours. die. Yeah, why would why would they ever want to do that? Mm. And uh, those uh, Malaysian FA and the Thai FA, they would never agree to it anyway. AFC would never agree to it and FIFA would never agree to it. So I don't know why they did such a deep feasibility study when there's so many problems with it. Is uh, is the nickname of Kuala Lumpur the Umpers? <laughs> I'm like not to, sure. I would like to beg for the Umpa Lumpers. Yeah. <laughs> uh, John's in Mooney Ponds. Good day, John. Hi guys. How are we? Good. Good mate. Uh, look, just a couple of things. One, um, the uh, Asian expansion. I just uh, I find it uh, yeah hilarious that Nick Charlesworth wants to uh, start implementing people to uh, do a case study or whatever you mentioned before, Carlos, when his club's uh, a basket case. Um, with all due respect, and, mm. and there's a passionate. <laughs> Can you give it due respect when you call yeah. it basket? Case? I think it's all due disrespect. <laughs> just, that's just pretty straight in your face, that one. But yeah. we'll continue on, Johnny. Yeah, well, you know, and and then then you got as a passionate uh, Australian football supporter and A League supporter, it's it's disappointing that um, the City Group once again is hosting another meeting away from FFA at uh, at the, was it Dubai? Did you guys say? Yeah, but I, I, John, I don't have a problem with uh, owners coming up with ideas. You know, I, they're either good or bad ideas. I, I don't mind. Still going to be ratified yeah, by. Absolutely. I mean, I, I don't think they ever turned around and say this is going to be a breakaway league or anything like that. It was just an idea and they were throwing it out there and they did their homework and it got shut down by the FFA anyway. So I'm not sure whether the owners are going to continue on with it. So uh, you know, let's welcome these ideas, welcome the investment. Uh, but they've got to be good ideas for the good of the game. That's all. And also just the... Um the scheduling, um, it just caught my, my mind when I uh, saw the um, interview after the Germany game and said that some of um, our players travelled 24 hours and they, they landed in Germany 36, 48 hours ago. And then it made me think, you start thinking what you know Western Sydney Wanderers have, uh, did and, and, and the teams that are in the Asian Champions League. You come to think of it, it's remarkable having a roster of 22 or 23 players, having a salary cap, and then, you know, playing a game in Seoul on a Wednesday, and then they played Victor on a 
Friday night, and I'm a Victory supporter, and I'm just thinking that's ridiculous. And I think FFA needs to have a good look and maybe have a, a flexi date for teams that are involved in Asian Champions League, like they do in England. If Chelsea plays a, um, a mid-to-week game, they play a Monday morning or a Tuesday morning game. Just I think we need to um, support our teams. What do you reckon, boys? Carlos? Yeah, of course. I think the FFA will look at every possible way, but you've only got a certain amount of time during a season. And the and Asian Cup, the Wanderers this year, haven't they? With the way they've been able, have able to reschedule some of their games through the A League because of their yeah. commitment to the Asian Champions League. Yeah, and I don't know. I, I would think that when they're doing their planning for this, they would be moving games as far away from their previous game as possible. So you know, whatever the latest date would or the time would be, but I don't know how much time you need because I don't. I don't run grounds. I don't run fixtures or anything should, like that. You should. Well, probably should. Yeah, uh, I don't run events, but uh, I would think that every every um, every chance to give them as much rest in between. But you know, I hear with Brisbane Raw, for example, last week when they played Melbourne City, they were playing something like three games in six days. I mean, that that's not going to be good for that club. And uh, then you get Pollens who, who does a, 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 some hip flexor or something in the warm-up. And Jade North, who hadn't played in months, in fact, came down not even ready to play at all. And he started for, for Brisbane. So, yeah, squad sizes and if you're successful in Asia is a real problem uh, managing all that. But that's the price of success. And, um, and again, I, I don't want to trivialise it, but this is, a, this is a world of a professional footballer in this country. Um, you want the riches, you want the, uh, the chance to uh, make a really big career and not go overseas. Mm. This, what, this, is what you, this is a life you've got to lead. Now, whether the FFA allow a bigger squad for this, I think they've got a squad of 30 for the Asian Champions League, so they've extended from 23 to 30. Whether that's a bigger amount, I don't know whether they can give them more time in between games because there's only a, a certain amount of time during a, a season. And throw in the Asian Cup this year, that again, squeezed more time out of the whole thing. So true, I don't know if, anything, if things could be done better uh, this, this year or not, but I, I suppose we should speak to Damien DeBowen and ask him. Well, we'll do that one day, Carlos. So not today. We haven't got time to get to him today, but we do need to get to a break. Because after that, I want to talk about, you talked about the City Group being involved in that discussion. Melbourne City's revival, Carlos. Mm. Uh, they're now eight points clear of Brisbane. Now, Brisbane still have a game in hand at this stage, but uh, pretty much locked in a spot in the final six in the A-League. And what does that mean going forward? Are you seeing signs of rejuvenation? We'll talk about that after this with Carlos Alberto Diego. Carlos Alberto Diego with us. Don't forget the four Diego's tonight from 11 on Melbourne's Home of Sports. Back together, talking about the world game. Even more incisive. Incisively? With with more insight. Yeah, (laughs) that's what I'm trying to say. Uh, Then us here on on Halftime. So it's good when the boys get together. 11 p.m. every Wednesday night on Melbourne's Home of Sports. Carlos, we're talking before the break about Melbourne City. They are eight points clear of Brisbane in sixth position on the Hyundai A-League table. Have you seen rejuvenation? Have you seen revival? Have you seen life in this beast that we thought was dying? Yeah, don't. Yeah, it's amazing. Like when they had those three games in the week and they were against the bottom three sides, and you're thinking, oh, well, this is their big chance. And they blew the first two, and then they beat Newcastle in pretty unimpressive fashion in the in the third. You thought, well, it's over. They just don't have it. But just quietly, ever so quietly, they've got themselves three wins in a row. And the one was against Sydney in a really gutsy effort. And I thought on the weekend, uh, people talk about they should have done better against Brisbane Raw rather than just win 1 0. But, you know, that was a Brisbane Raw that really, they, they've got. 
championship DNA in this side. And I'm not saying they're going to win the championship, Brisbane Raw, but there's some proud footballers. And uh, even with Jade Norton, I said, this guy's been out for months with uh, with the knee problem, I think it was. Yeah. And, and he didn't even, he wasn't even going to travel down because, but he decided to come and just sit on the bench. But when uh, Pollens got injured, he's got thrown in the mix. And he was one of the best players for Brisbane Raw. These guys are proud, proud footballers. And you've got to play what's ahead of you, and they won 1-0. That's all they needed to do. And now they've got, um, this week, they've got West Sydney Wanderers, who they were so disappointing. They weren't disappointing by the way the way they played, but the result was so disappointing a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, so they've yeah, got yeah. them this weekend. So And they've found a bit of form too. I mean, they were really good against Brisbane last week, with the yeah. Wanderers, and then really good against Perth, although yep. weren't able to win that game in the end. But they looked like they were really up and about in that first half particularly. Yeah. So they've hit a bit of bit of form, and, the Wanderers. And, you know, the week after, they've got Wellington at home, I believe, and then Perth and Adelaide away from home. So if they make the finals, if Melbourne City make the finals, they would have deserved it. And I think that's, that's all... Uh, someone like John Skip wants he wants to respect in the team because they've earned it, yep. and they could have they could turn over turn around all the disappointment from early on in the season if they do and they achieve this. They've eight points ahead, like you said. Brisbane's got a, a game in hand, so effectively, if Brisbane win that, they're five points ahead. Well, that's enough for them to determine their own destiny, and uh, well, they can determine their own destiny, and they and they just need to get the results in these last four games. And good on them if they do. They've done it quietly. It hasn't been champagne. It's been more spumanti football. Spumanti. Right? <laughs> It's been spumanti football, uh, but who cares at this time? It's Even Kevin Musket said after the after weekend's game, who cares spumanti. what it looks like? We just need the three points, and that's what City has been able to do. That could be the highlight of your broadcasting <laughs> career, I reckon. Not champagne footy, spumanti yeah, footy. That's brilliant. Have you seen an A-League table quite like this at the top, uh, Carlos? So there's two points separating first to fifth, and the great part about this round, round 24, is four of those teams play each other. <laughs> like Wellington hosts the victory, and then I think it's Adelaide or Sydney host Adelaide as well. Perth get a bit of a, a light one at Newcastle, but you know, who knows what's going to happen there. Yeah. But the four, So four of the five who are contending for the champions plate um, are up against each other this week with two points separating the top five. And, and no one can pick it. Because it depends on the day, and, and no one's playing great football at the moment, really. Uh, well, interesting up up until the weekend was playing the, the most attractive football, but they got uh, put away at home by Sydney three 0 So, no one's guaranteed of anything. And that's what I love about it, because uh, it it may well be a mistake. It may be a refereeing error. It may be anything that will determine the difference between both uh, any of these sides. Mm. And uh, and on the weekend, you know, Guy Finkler was a difference between Melbourne victory and uh, and Central Coast Mariners. It certainly wasn't victories. Performance. It was that Spumanti. one play. It, it was more spumanti, probably less than that. Maybe I don't know. Uh, some of those uh, lollipop drinks. That's uh, I don't know. I, I'm not. A, I'm not a drinker of those. Uh, those disco those drinks. Disco you know. Drinks. Those discotheque drinks that uh, <laughs> the kids. Discotheque. Whatever. Anyway. <laughs> half you, you've distracted me. You've I'm taken me. Distracted you. But uh, but it, it will be a player. It will be a, a refereeing decision. It'll be just a moment. That'll separate these sides because we've seen that for the last five or six weeks. That uh, since the Asian Cup, no one's grabbing this by the horns and, t- and going running away with it. We saw Wellington Phoenix nearly doing it, but then yeah. the, their result in the weekend sort of brought them back a bit. So where does it leave the the the, uh, the top six colours at this stage? Who do you see as the likely um, favourites to take out the whole thing? Now, what you've seen and how close the whole competition is with Wellington's ascension and victory sort of been stable. Perth started really well. I've, Tumbled a bit. Sydney have been around about with Adelaide. Where do you see um, the A-League heading this year? You know, it's, it, 
I just keep on pointing to Melbourne victory. Even when they're not playing well, they tend to get the result. And on the weekend, they really miss Mark Milligan. They missed him so much. And he's he'll, hopefully he'll be back. I think he they sent him home early from the Socceroo camp because there, there was an injury or some sort of treatment that he needed. So, But he's been playing injured for a long time. But he's so important to them in that, in that midfield mix. And uh, for me, uh, Barbarousas is due back very, very soon. So, you know, that'll, that'll start firing up Berisha, I think. And, uh, you know, they're getting... the the points that they need right now, but I think they're priming themselves up for finals football and that and that's what they're moving towards. So victory for me, a real big chance. But Sydney, you can't discount Sydney. I mean, they had that blip against Melbourne City last week, uh, the, the week before this weekend, and uh, yep. uh, this last weekend, and uh, and they lost against Melbourne City 1-0 there. But really, their form since the Asian Cup has been fantastic. So I reckon it's Melbourne victory in Melbourne City, uh, sorry, and Sydney FC. And gee, if Melbourne City sneak in... Who knows? They could cause a bit of damage too because they're getting a little bit of quiet confidence about them too. I'm getting some feedback off the SMS, Carlos. It's passion pop footy. There you go. That's the one. Passion pop is there you go. the feedback we're getting for the... Bacardi sub- Breezy, that's it. Yeah. So the sub spumanti football yeah. is passion pop yeah. footy. That is excellent work by our SMSs. We'll take a break. <laughs>